Hello, everyone. This is Lisa Freitas. And I'm Katie Saad, and welcome to another episode of 90 Day Disasters, a 90 Day Fiance Recap Podcast. We are two moms, lawyers, and reality TV junkies here to break down for you the fire in a trash can that is TLC's 90 Day Fiance. All right, everyone, grab your K-1 visas and let's get started. Oh, and because we are lawyers, we need to cover our butts. So please listen to the disclaimer at the end of the episode. Hello, guys. Welcome to um, 90 Day Disasters with Katie and I. And we are going to cover three episodes today. Episodes 7, 8, and 9. We'll cover episode 10 at a later, later date because... They only had part one of episode 10 on the app, so we didn't get to see the whole thing. Um, but seven through nine should get us pretty close, and a lot has happened in the last three episodes, for sure. Um, so, And I just want to acknowledge also that we had originally said we would record, sorry, that we would publish an episode on Tuesday. It's now Thursday. We did our level best to make an episode on Tuesday, and we just had like insurmountable technical difficulties with the app that we record our podcast on. So we did. Um, it was legit. We tried, and we're definitely you know attempting to stick to some kind of reasonable schedule now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why you're getting this on Thursday and not on Tuesday. Yes, that is true. So I think we'll still stick with our going couple by couple. We'll just do all three episodes for each couple. Yeah. Um, and I think we should start with Nicole and Ozan, mainly because um, they were only featured in episode seven. They weren't in eight and nine. Thank they come God. back in episode 10, but like they're so boring and mm-hmm. lame. And, um, you know, we have a we have an appearance by my favorite Nicole and Ozan character, Joe. Stepdad Joe. Stepdad Joe, yeah. <laughs> Everyday hero. Yes. So Nicole in this episode is basically telling us that she has now acknowledged and is willing to acknowledge that Ozan really wants her to be skinnier and prettier. And so she's trying to eat healthy and work out so that she can show off her new self to him when she sees him again. Um, but I hope she realizes that working out once and eating one healthy meal isn't going to make that She definitely <laughs> falls into that category of having no ability to follow through. Yeah. You know, we all have the thing where at the beginning of a diet or the beginning of an exercise plan or the beginning of anything really, especially when it comes to self-care, mm-hmm. it seems like such a great idea and it's such a sea change and mm-hmm. you throw yourself into it. But like anything else, everything's difficult to do in moderation. Oh, for sure. It needs to be done in moderation if it's going to be sustainable. And I would say we all, again, fall victim to, to this, sort of dropping off of an exercise plan or whatever. But Nicole is, like, literally the person who would sign up for a gym membership and then never go back after, yeah. like, the day she signed up and had an introductory session. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and, and pay for the whole year. No, and I get that. I totally get that because I get that way for sure. But I think she's, like, the, but she's, the I ultimate. Mean, oh, for I'm sure. Saying. She's ultimate. But, like, I mean, I get that way with, like, I'm so charged about work and I'll do work like really hardcore for like three <laughs> weeks. And then I'm kind of like, uh, it's I burn burnout. Out. <laughs> yeah. It's burnout. Um, so she's working out. She's kind of, Oh, so she decides to stay with her mom because they've been, sta- she's been staying. She and may have been staying with her brother and sister. Um, and basically doesn't want to wear out her welcome. And so she's going to go stay with her mom for a few weeks. 
um, to sort of break things up because, you know, who wants to give May some sort of consistency? This is the problem because I think that Nicole's family has the resources and the desire, essentially, to have this huge sort of unbreakable safety net for Mm -hmm. her that they're obviously providing, or I assume they're providing largely because of May, Mm -hmm. but Nicole ends up being this, like, secondary beneficiary and it's preventing her from facing reality. Oh, so in so is, many ways. But, but what else are they going to do? I mean, I'm not criticizing them. No, I think she, because I'm they have to take care of their granddaughter. They have to. And I'm happy that she has a safety net because I have to be honest, I would be terrified of what would happen to May if Nicole did not have the degree of mm-hmm. safety net that she has with her family. She is oh, such yeah. an idiot. I mean, I could easily see her falling prey to something truly terrible and may ending up in a really bad situation. So thank God. But at the same time, quite frankly though, I mean, going to Morocco to put all your eggs into Azan's basket. That's why they're scared. With your daughter. Yeah. That is terrifying. They know she's actually dumb enough and immature enough to fall into a very bad situation if they're not around to save her. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. And that, that is terrifying. Mm -hmm. I think that is terrifying. Um, and then, so Joe walks in the house, his <laughs> stepdad Joe, and he is surprised to see Nicole there. And the mom informs him at this time, which is a little bit odd, because you would think that you would have cleared this with your spouse, spouse before it happening. But um, she lets him know that May and uh, Nicole are going to be staying there for a few weeks before she goes to Morocco. And he's like, oh, you're, you're going to Morocco? <laughs> No, the funny thing was that she said, "Oh yeah, I'm 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 taking a vacation oh, going yeah, that's to Grenada." Right. And he was like, "I thought you've been on vacation the entire time you've oh, been yeah. home because she hasn't worked. She yeah. had that very odd interview with the temp agent, um, but other than that, I mean, she doesn't appear to have made any attempts to work. And before that, she was a barista, which I was a barista, so respect. Um, but you know, clearly, yeah. she's never had a a career. No, and and he te- he tells us that he predicts. Or no, he tells her. He predicts she'll be back in six weeks unmarried. <laughs> I hope so. I think and he's I mean, worried she's going to be pregnant again. Yeah, he's like the... But uh, luckily, Ozan won't touch her with a 10-foot pole, so I don't think that's We don't have to worry happen. about that. Um, and I love... My favorite was when Joe referred to Ozan as asshole. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, asshole has no intention of getting married. <laughs> and he's not wrong. Joe, voice of reason. Joe, voice of reason. And then he apparently... So Joe tells us that he got this email from someone who knows Ozan. And reached out to him and told him that Ozan has no intention of getting married, that he he's using Nicole, and that they all think she's a, an idiot who's just basically giving money to him, which mm-hmm. she is. Yeah. So, and then she doesn't want to hear it. She's like, I don't want to hear this. This is, you know, negativity, whatever. So, that is their scene. And that's... I'm over it. They kind of, that's all they say, which is good because it just, like, I hate making fun of her well I don't hate making fun of her I love to make fun of her because she's an idiot but it makes me feel bad a little bit because of May I feel terribly about it like if May wasn't a part of this whole scenario I would just rip into her because I don't care about Nicole at all and I think she's a total idiot and I think she knows Ozan doesn't really like her she's just like going with it because she has nothing else going on in her life I mean she has to know it's so blatantly obvious to everybody I, I think that she's an idiot in a lot of ways, but I mean, you can't be that blind, especially when he's like, um, especially when you feel like I need to ch- like lose weight and 
do something to make myself look more attractive to this person and you have to like basically beg them to marry you like come on on some level she knows Uh, she's in denial and I also think he played her pretty well at the beginning yeah so she has something to kind of like sink her teeth into even if it's like bygone that's true alright do you have anything else about these no crazy trains okay so let's go to another crazy train Larissa and Colt Again, like something that I'm just I'm I'm over it. The IRL like in real time storyline is so, you know, far gone from where they are now and yeah. It is far gone from where they are now, but it I have to say with this storyline and also with Jane Ashley, I'm I'm starting to appreciate getting sort of the the backstory and sort of seeing how it all played out You're because right. I That's feel like we point. got the end point of what happened with Jane Ashley. We got the ending that happens, you know, with Colt and Larissa, but we don't know how they got there. Yeah. And so this kind of is like laying it out and showing. It is illuminating. It is illuminating. I mean, with Larissa and Colt first, you know, in the first in episode seven, you know, Larissa picks something to like gripe at Debbie about, right? Her she's gonna hang her sword on the stupid slot machine. That clearly belonged to or has some significance to Colt's dad. Mm-hmm. So the mom's not going to let it go. They, I've, we've seen the inside of their house, and they've clearly updated it in many ways, except for that stupid um, camo recliner. Um, but in other ways, they've, they've updated it. But the slot machine's not going anywhere. I mean, it's not like it's a heinous thing. It's not, I mean, I wouldn't want it in my house, but... At, at a certain point, you don't notice things anymore unless you want to. And if it's if it's significant and means something, like, okay, I will give you an example. There are things that my husband has latched onto because they were gifts from his grandmother, his late grandmother. And it's signi- it mean, it's meaningful to him. Like sure. his Elvis clock and there's some other stuff that he's just like, that is something sentimental to him. And my husband is very minimalist in terms of decor, but... There are he he can be like a hoarder of sentimental crap, <laughs> in my opinion. That doesn't surprise me. No, so he wants to hold on to these things that he got from his grandmother. I'm not going to tell him to throw them away. Mm-mm. I probably will say don't display them on our fireplace. But like I'm 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 not going to tell him you need to get rid of these things because I don't like them. I would never say that to him. I know it's meaningful to him, and quite frankly, it's our house, not my house. But that's because you care about your husband. Well, yeah. So this Larissa is, doesn't like she her doesn't like Debbie at all. She doesn't she's care about her. sticking it to her. And so they're now they start fighting, and they're back. They basically have slipped back into their old way of quote unquote communicating, um, and they're you know still having the same. This is the same fight that they've had from the beginning. Cole doesn't have her side. Debbie is in the middle of their marriage. She hates Debbie because it's. Not, I mean, the reality is, if Debbie didn't live there and she moved out, they would still have problems. Of course they would, yeah. And so, and, you know, the other issue is um, money. Money has always been a huge issue. Larissa had this idea of the lifestyle that she would have when she moved to Vegas, and she expected just the money to come. Colt would just pay for everything. Haircut... So that she's going to get a haircut and Colt says he's not going to pay for it because it's like $285. And she thinks it's Debbie's fault. 
Right, and then the other thing is, because he's so controlling, he's not letting her in on the actual state of of his or their finances. Mm -hmm. He's just saying, I'm not going to give this to you. Right. So it's it's this double layer of we, even the audience, have no understanding of how much Colt could actually afford. Right, nobody knows. And, And I think that's by design. He doesn't trust her. No, and he wants to control her. And, right. and this is where his, I mean, this is where he loses me. I mean, yeah. and I never, like, he doesn't have much to recommend him. But he has this, like, as you've pointed out, very sort of patriarchal yeah. way about him. that's deeply unattractive. So we find out that Larissa gets arrested again. Now, yeah, this was interesting. But this arrest is sort of, it's suspicious to me. because me So Debbie's out of town. And from Colt's, even from Colt's recount of what happened, he took Larissa's phone away from her and then she got on social media and asked for help. And I remember this when it was happening. I do too. And somebody in the (laughs) universe saw those and called the police. And the police come and they, um, well, they basically arrest or they put Colt in handcuffs. They handcuff him, and then they go and talk to him. And what from whatever he said, they decided to unhandcuff him, which I think is very odd. It is odd. And then they go and they handcuff Larissa, and they arrest her, and they take her to jail. So that whole interaction is very strange to me. Yes. It seems weird to me that they would basically handcuff him and decide he that she is the victim, but somehow... After talking to him, they change their minds and arrest her instead. Okay, to be fair, I think we can piece this together a little bit. First of all, whoever called the cops was doing so on Larissa's behalf, in all likelihood. Not necessarily that she asked them to do it, we don't really know, but whoever called was calling to say Colt is doing something to Larissa. So it makes sense that initially the cops would assume that she was the victim. Right. To say nothing of the fact that, you know, she's one third his weight, you know, and no, generally I, so women I are got the victims. That part of it. So there's that. And then, of course, as you pointed out, the confusion happens when he talks his way out of that scenario and not only talks himself out of trouble, but talks her into trouble. I'll point out. I remember very vaguely from the in real time event mm-hmm. that he was bloodied in some way, shape, or that form. That was the first one. I believe it was the second one. Oh, you think it was Possibly okay. in addition, but but definitely. The, I mean, this is my true recollection because I remember that what happened is he was bloodied. He goes on social media. There was like a picture of him mm-hmm. like holding his lip out or something. And again, maybe you're right and it was the first time, but I'm... I really, my belief is, my, re- my, my memory is that it was the second time, and possibly the first time as well, because I know the first time he got scratched, mm-hmm. but I think the second time I remember him on social media with this like bloody lip, and that the story was ultimately that she scratched him, the cops were coming, she gets scared because she knows that this would be you know her involved in a second DV episode with him, so she locks herself in a bathroom or in a room and injures herself. Mm. shallowly like gives Mm -hmm. herself some kind of like shallow I believe it was like a scratch on her cheek or something like that in order to avoid arrest like that was that was and again I don't know if any of this is true of course I don't check anything but this is my recollection 
of the story as it was ultimately presented to the, the kind of general public. And I think that what actually helped him, Colt, and what actually probably influenced the police more than anything was, or is, the fact that Colt is so calm, monotone, yeah. and even keel. Yeah. And we've never seen him really get outraged or angry or lose his pa- lose his patience or I be aggressive. I don't think he would ever physically harm her. No, I don't think so either. And, and I don't think his demeanor lends itself to being somebody aggressive in yeah. that manner. So I could see the cops being like, well, this guy seems really calm and in control. Like, I can't imagine him. And not in control in a way that seems like he's really trying to, like you know, cool his jets. Right. It just seems like this is this guy doesn't have the capacity to get enraged. Yeah. And then they go to Larissa and she's a fucking mess. She's a hothead. She's a total hothead, right? So she's like this he, I'm sure, paints her as this crazy Latina Brazilian woman who's like screaming and crying and yelling Which and honestly is cursing. sounds like that's exactly what happened. Right. And so they're like, oh, okay, clearly she's not the victim. <clears throat> because even though she is a third of his weight, she doesn't seem like a victim. Well, and again, if he had blood on him. Right. And he's saying, she scratched me. Like, I would never hurt a fly. They're probably like, oh, God, this guy is not capable of hurting a fly. <laughs> That's what the guy in Psycho said, though. Yeah, I know. To be fair. I mean, I know. I get it. So and we've, we've already compared his situation, I think, to the oh, Psycho situation. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, at any rate, he she goes to jail, and even in his, like, quote-unquote, emotional, like, <laughs> discussion, he's talking about how he doesn't want her to spend the night in jail. It just seems so fake to me, though. His, yeah. like, concern for her being in jail. I agree completely. And he wants her to get out, and he goes to... Mr. Tony. Um, I think TLC paid him to go through that whole process. That this was like right, part of his job could give on the a show. Shit. Yeah, I think they were like, okay, we want you to go through this process of like trying to bail her out. And this is part of, you know, you performing on this show. That, quite, that's what I think. And I think, quite frankly, like, I don't want to, I have no idea what Colt's finances are. No. None. But he has one car. Debbie's probably getting some sort of social security or some kind of money. He has an engineering job in Las Vegas. I mean, they don't get paid 20000 a year. He's probably got a decent-ish salary, especially for living in Vegas and paying rent on a condo. To say that, like, a $1,000 bail is, like, they just, there's no way that they could afford it seems a little bit, like, far-fetched it's to me. It's contrived. I mean, of course, $1,000 is a lot of money. I'm not trying to, like... Yeah, but the idea that it, you the couldn't idea come that up he, with it. There's no way he could even put it on a credit card or anything. Like, that's ridiculous. He just doesn't want to. So, go, but any, at any rate, he goes to this bail bondsman, and it's, like, 200 bucks, and then he decides, you know, in, like, the fakest act of, like concern he's they tell him the bail bonds mr tony tells him that he that they will probably release larissa anytime between 11 p.m that night and like nine o'clock tomorrow morning or something so he decides to just basically camp out at the detention center in front waiting for her inevitable release and she gets released he takes her home she goes home and goes to bed because she hasn't slept all night and she's been in jail and Jail is no picnic. This was interesting to me, though. And this kind of has a love after lockup angle to it. It's like, what? what is the government thinking putting people out on a street in the middle of the night with no resources? 
when they get out of jail? Like, what is that? You've created a really dangerous situation. Well, you've for sure created a system where if there is no support yeah, people, you're, you're if screwed. there are no support people to pick them up, yeah, then, and they don't have a support system in place when they get out, of course they're going to end up back in jail. Seriously, there's I mean, no where, would, where they would they go? I mean, it's the total like it's, it's on a different level, but like the Shawshank Redemption thing, where that guy had been in prison for so long, and he ends up committing suicide the minute he's released because he doesn't know how to live in the outside world, and he has nobody. Anymore. Well, that's that's more of like a macro point. I think that well, the, yeah, but the micro is just literally you're putting people out on the street in the middle of the night, like, in Vegas. In Vegas, I mean, I remember one time I was in law school or something, and I I went to law school. You and I both went to law school in a really bad neighborhood in San Francisco mm-hmm. and I was living in that neighborhood in this sort of law school dorm and I went out one night to dinner or something and I took a cab just like a regular yellow cab to come back home to my apartment in which was in again a really really bad neighborhood in San Francisco probably the worst neighborhood in San Francisco and the cabbie <laughs> for some reason he finished his shift like halfway into my ride and so he pulled over and he was like oh yeah I just hit my the end of my shift, so you have to get out of the car. And it was the middle of the bad neighborhood, but not yet close enough to my apartment for me to safely get out. And I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm not getting out of this car. You you would be creating a criminally dangerous situation if you put me out of the car right now. It's 12 o'clock at night in the tenderloin. You take me home or you're going to have serious problems. Yeah. Like, I will call whoever I have to. And by the way, I'm a lawyer. My whole family is lawyers. <laughs> Or maybe I didn't That's say I was a lawyer because I think I was still in law school. But it, so it would be like, in other words, and I remember in that moment thinking, this guy could be basically killing me or doing something really bad to me sort of passively. Right. Right. Just by putting me in this situation that is so inherently dangerous. And it's truly, it was truly, truly a dangerous situation. I could not get out of that cab yeah. and, and, and feel even remotely safe. And so it's like that. Where you're, what, what if what if the jail was in that really bad neighborhood and you're just putting people out? Yeah. Putting a woman, you know, a young woman, you know, maybe maybe scantily clad for all we know. Anyway, I'm just picturing this situation just really being wrong. Mm-hmm. Really oh, wrong. Oh, I thought it was crazy. And, and that's what Cole was saying. He was like, I have to pick her up. What the hell else am I going to do? She's going to get put out on the street. She's going to have no way of getting home. Right. It's I like, love, yeah, that really is messed up. His concern seemed very... I don't think his odd. concern was... I think he was genuinely concerned for, like, her bodily safety. Right. No, I but agree. But beyond that, you know, he doesn't care. Well, even the, like, the next morning, right, he tells the camera that he interviews that she's upstairs sleeping and he wants her to get rest. But then he goes up and wakes her up. Yeah, that like, was weird. Like, well, why would you do that? Why would you go in the room? You already told us she's sleeping. Uh, he should have left her alone. He's so stupid. And then he goes to pick up Debbie and um, Debbie's pissed. And she sees her screen when they pull up and it's all torn. And she's like, what the hell happened? And so she's... That was pretty weird. Yeah. And she says that Larissa went through her stuff. And so she's really upset about it. And she's like, what? I can't go on vacation now because you guys are going to go through my things. And so she's really upset. And then we cut to later. Larissa's doing her makeup and they tell us that they fought about money. And she spent two nights in jail because he, you know, and he turned off her phone and... um. He tells her that he didn't say anything to the cops, which is total bullshit. And she knows it. We know it. Everybody knows that he had to have said something to the cops. Because if you don't say anything to the cops, they would have taken him in. Well, he claimed he didn't make a statement, which is interesting. Because I think that that would be like a very, like, 
definitive portion of the case against her. Like the statement would be there and it would be written down and it would be official. And, and I'm sure we're going to find out that the, it, there is a statement. That's what will be interesting once Lawyer Adam Thirst Trap comes back on the scene. Lawyer Adam. I want to go like possibly commit a crime in Las Vegas so that I could get Lawyer Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get Lawyer Adam. Just kidding. Um, yeah, I just feel like they wouldn't have uncuffed him and then cuffed her and taken her away and arrested her if he didn't say anything. And I'm sure he had to have said something. I think that maybe Colt is a little bit ignorant about how the police works or how that works, that the police are going to write stuff down. Right, exactly. So I'm sure he said, I don't know. And it's what happened last time. So he literally has And he lied to her last time too. Yeah, exactly. So, um... So now, you know, Larissa obviously is worried about a green card and she yells at him that she's worried about a green card and she was, and it's funny because they're fighting about it, right? And she's like, look, Colt, you know, this is really dangerous. I was hoping to get a green card and bring my kids here and give them a better life. And he's like, where am I in that scenario? And he's right. He, he's forfeited though. Yeah, it's true. Being really a part of her life and being anyone that she can count on in any way. And he's, he's like, I feel like she totally used me for a green card. I mean, come on people. She definitely, I mean, I, I believe she used him for a great Of card. course she did. 100%. Which wasn't, honestly, which wasn't really part of the discussion about this couple that much. Because they, no. she immediately like blew everything up with all of her craziness. Mm-hmm. And I think we actually kind of lost sight of that. And I thought it was interesting and a little jarring that he kind of comes to this realization that we'd all kind of let go by, you know, by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Because so much other stuff was going on. But at the end of the day... We have to remember that is probably what is happening here. Yeah. Which takes away a lot of the sympathy for her. You know, he may be a controlling. Oh, yeah. Jerk, I mean, I don't have sympathy you know. for either one of them. I think they're both idiots. I guess I had been feeling a little bit badly for her because I felt like she is unbalanced and mm-hmm. like really needs help and is not going to get it, obviously, from him and etc. Um, and that he was, because he is so controlled and he has so much more information and power than she does that she really was in this impossibly vulnerable situation especially because she's so unbalanced and she can't control her emotions um but i i kind of forgot about the fact that oh yeah this person came over here and you know yeah she didn't come over here for love and i think he even though it was a very very it was a very um surface level shallow kind of love his feelings for her, I think, were genuine. He wasn't trying to help someone beat the system and move here for a great no. card. You know, he wanted I to think be he did with too, her. But he's delusional in the same way that Nicole's delusional. Oh, completely. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> All right. Do you have anything else for those guys? No. Because that's where it sort of ends with them. And then we move over. And I have to... So do we now we go to Chantal and Pedro... And I have to say that their story has become more and more interesting. Completely agree. I was about to say exactly the same thing. There are so many layers to this. And I have to point out that TLC is coming out with a spinoff called The Family Chantel. And I'm not super excited about it. No, although I did... They're s- taking it too far. They may be taking it too far. I agree with that. And I, and I think that... So I've always had hate for Chantel. She's always bothered me. I don't hate her, but I have issues with her mother. Yeah, I don't like her mother either, but she bothered... I, there's something about Chantal that's always bugged me. But I have to say, I took a little bit of a turn towards... As things have progressed, mm-hmm. I have a much more sympathy for her. I do so, too. So we start out in episode 7 with her... She decides she's coming. And I have to say, her Spanish is really bad. I mean, I give her kudos for trying. 
I but, do too. But my goodness, sometimes I'm like, and I give all of the people that she's talking to kudos for not making fun of her because yeah. my Portuguese is pretty off and my cousins used to always make fun of me when I was in Portugal. <laughs> I don't think Chantel is intelligent. Oh, I don't think so. Either, but she tries to portray herself as such. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. I think she, I or maybe not intelligent, but certainly better than Pedro and his family. See, I don't agree with that. Oh, I, I, I think that's like a really, you know, I think it's a defense mechanism and it's, and it's based basically on a, on a sort of a chip on their shoulder that Pedro's family has. I actually don't think that Chantel or her family thinks that they're better. Oh, I, I think they're very worried and suspicious and that that has there are problems with that too that an american yeah. you know if anything you can say that they're xenophobic perhaps but i don't actually think it's really a matter of being better it's a matter of mm. of not trusting the person who is the other which is a, which is worse true. really i mean I, mean, I, I think that's true i i definitely agree with that but i also think that they think that they're better and that's fair enough and um, and and obviously pedro and his family say that they feel that way so yeah. there is that i mean so they, he decides to go out because he knows Chantal's coming and, um, he won't be able to see his friends. So he decides to go out with them one last kind of hurrah. And Karima is there, which is the woman you guys remember is the one that he was dirty dancing with. The thirst is real. I mean, she's I mean, not after God. him. She's after screen time. And it's like, everybody knows it. So is the sister. God, they're the all sister a hundred percent. So the friends are pissed that Chantal's coming and they say that, he, that you know, he's totally whipped and all of the stuff. And, you know, at first I was really anti the friends, but as time goes on, I actually think they're not as bad. I agree. Especially those guys. Those guys actually had There's his back a couple towards guys. the end. Yeah. And, I, and I think that, so anyway, she arrives in, in the Dominican Republic and, you know, to his credit, I really do believe that Pedro cares for Chantal. I believe that they're... They did definitely, they do definitely have a connection. Yeah. And the love for her is real. I think that the influence and the, um, the, their, their, each of their respective families have really hurt their relationship. And I think that's been the problem. But to their credit, I think they really do actually have love for each other. That's the only reason they're, they're together. Yeah, there's something That's more the only there. explanation. And I think that, you know, he brings her flowers and she's really sweet. And he brings her flowers and a bad attitude. <laughs> he has this kind of, like, level of chivalry beneath which he refuses to fall, regardless of how he's actually feeling about her in yeah. the moment. So he'll still open the door for her. Or he'll still pull her chair out or whatever. because. And I think those are the kinds of things that she fell in love with. And what's sad to me is that he probably learned those things from his mother. He did, but you know, I have to say that like it's interesting to me because, uh, you know, he, he listening to him and his perspective on all this, it, it's actually very. I understand what he's saying. Like he wants Chantal and her family, or he wants his family to rise above it, to be better than her family, mm -hmm. to treat Chantal the way her family did not treat him, and he wants Chantal to be a bigger and better person. He wants her to be better than his family. You know, and, and so he asks her to meet with his mom, right? And she agrees. I don't know why she has to wear the most low-cut shirt ever to meet with his mom. She is interesting. I mean, I think that Chantel has one of the most, like, enviable sort of female figures. I think oh, she yeah, has, like, she's the got a classic, great body. classic, like, 
voluptuous female Jessica figure. Rabbit. Perfect. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that she wants to show it off, but she's showing kind of a lack of judgment. Yeah. Because she's not realizing who her audience is. Unless you just assume that she literally has only packed... I think she has. Like, booty shorts and, you know, things no. that are going to well, show off Well, she's wore, like, figure. really tight pants and skirts and stuff, which is fine. I mean, I think I'm, not she gonna looks bo- I'm not going to shame her. She doesn't look bad. It, it didn't sh- help her case. But I just felt like it was a little inappropriate when you're, when you're going to go talk to your mother-in-law to be wearing something where, like, your bra is practically showing. I always worry if I'm going to my in-laws, like, before I go out for the night or something, which sometimes I do because they're watching my kids, I literally will not wear something that I want to wear out just because I'm like, I cannot walk into my in-laws house like this. And it won't even be that bad. It'll just be, you know, a slightly shorter skirt or whatever. Mm. And I'm always worried about how I present myself. And the same would be true of my parents, but I, that scenario happens far less frequently. With my parents. Yeah. Yeah. And I, well, I'm glad though, when she goes to talk to his mom that she brings a translator. So there's no issue there. I think TLC brought the translator. And I think that's smart because quite frankly, Look what that, happened last that's time with the ha- sister. That's where this all stemmed from. Mm-hmm. So, um... It goes to shit immediately. It goes to shit immediately. And I have to blame, you know, his mom. Yeah. Oh, no. She was very like, aggressive. she's so aggressive. And, and he, just nasty. And, and Saying that if she were there, she that she would have them. beat them all up. And I'm like... And then she says, well, your parents were the adults. No, everybody in this room is an adult. Mm-hmm. Pedro was an adult. Nicole is an adult. Chantal isn't like everybody was an adult just because they're an older adult that just means you should have respected them more not that they should have known better and controlled the situation like I'm surprised that Pedro's mom had the attitude that she had going into the meeting I mean I definitely got the impression that Pedro did a very poor job of preparing each of them and, yeah. and setting expectations because I think Chantal had an expectation that it was just going to be them mutually agreeing to let bygones be be bygones, but the mother clearly had in mind that Chantel was going to, like, kiss the ring. Yeah, and I think that, like, he could... I think he... And that's his fault. That is his fault, but I think, yeah, if he would have told Chantel, look. Like, I have yet to hear him have a conversation, and maybe it's, like, lost in translation, or he doesn't know how to effectively say it, but he's got to just be like, look, Chantel, I think we can repair a relationship... You just got to suck it up, be the bigger person, take the high road, go in there and say, I'm really sorry for what happened in Atlanta. Not you're sorry for what you did in Atlanta. You don't have to even couch it that way. You just have to say, I'm sorry for what happened because everybody should be sorry for what happened. Yeah. It's not saying that you're taking blame for anything. You're just saying, I'm sorry for that that happened. I'm sorry that that was the experience your daughter had. I mean, period. And then shut it down. The problem is not a single one of these people, not a single one of the players is actually mature enough to be, to, to not that. just rehash it and right. to, to, to be the bigger person and say, sorry, or right. genuinely want to put it behind them or genuinely make amends. God forbid. And, and I think Pedro is in the wrong in a way. I understand why he wants his parent, his mother slash sister and Chantal to quote, be the bigger people. And it's clear that it's because he wants some proof that any of these people cares about him. Right. You know, to, in any sort of level in comparison to how they care about themselves. Right. So I understand that. But the problem is he actually is equally unwilling Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't really have the right to Right. Because he's not going over to her parents and saying... 
I'm sorry for what happened that night. No, and, either. He, and he won't take proper responsibility. He still blames River completely, yeah. and, and and his the story in his head is that it's all River's fault. It's just ridiculous. Like, just be be bigger than River. Like they both, if if Chantal and Pedro are going to make it work, they both have to be the bigger people. Yeah. Go to each other's families and say, "Let's start over." I'm really sorry for everything that's happened in the past. Let's just move on. And I and I actually think that. <laughs> Chantal's parents would be receptive to that, probably more so than his mother, because <laughs> Lydia doesn't seem like she's going to budge. I and think Pedro's family is a hopeless case. Is the problem. I agree. I think that they're just they're just not equipped, and you know he. And it makes me very suspicious of them, by the way. In oh, terms for of sure. This whole story from Obed. I agree. It. I agree. Obed it makes is... me think that it's real because they are so nasty and they've dehumanized Chantal and her family to yeah. such a degree. It makes me feel like, oh, you would be capable of. Of you know manipulating people in this way, yeah, and breaking them. And like they them. don't have any respect for their marriage. No remorse about how their their family member is feeling, and no, it's very they don't very care. Sad. Like what Pedro is was a pawn in this whole thing, and yeah. now they've got what they wanted, and now they're like, "Hey, we don't need her anymore. Let's get rid of her." Totally. So she tells. So anyway, they it ends. This conversation is not productive. It ends, and um. Chantal tells Pedro to get his stuff, and the mother makes him choose. Are you going to go with her, or are you going to stay with me? And Pedro chooses his wife. He's like, this is my wife. Um, So he goes, and they talk, and Pedro wants him to fix the situation. He wants to fix it, and he says it's not things aren't going to get fixed between the two of them until she's able to fix things with the family, which I don't think he understands is never going to happen. Right. And it has nothing to do with Chantal. I think if Chantal had gone there and said, I'm really sorry for what my family has done, she still would be pissed. Agreed. And I think the sister still would be psychotic and awful. And I don't think that's true of Chantal's family. I don't I either. I think that if Pedro... Okay, my, my overarching view here, and I'm just going to state it, mm-hmm. is that Pedro's family is no good, mm-hmm. that they actually probably did try and succeeded to get him into the United States so that they could reap financial benefits mm-hmm. or harvest the American dollar, as <laughs> uh, Chantal's mother very stupidly puts it. <laughs> um... And that that actually probably did happen. And that beyond that, which is, you know, that I'm not going to make moral judgments about people. That's what they've done. But the problem is that it shows a complete and utter lack of concern for Pedro and his happiness. Because this man is clearly in love with his wife. Mm-hmm. And they created this situation where he just so happened to fall in love with the person that they set him up with. And now they, they are unhappy that he is happy. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do what they can to ruin his relationship so that they simply don't have to deal with the collateral damage of what they have done purposefully and so what pedro really should do for his own happiness is cut his family out of his life Mm -hmm. stay in the united states take Chantel's family as his own Mm -hmm. i mean if if i was they would accept him they would totally accept him if if they were not so confused and and suspicious of the overall scenario of how they got together and the relationship that Pedro has with his family, the fact that he's still sending money back and he wants to now possibly go get involved with this business that may or may not involve green card marriages. They're like, whoa, I think that if he, I don't think they have a problem with Pedro as a person. It's just that he comes with all this baggage. This baggage. So I think if he cut the cancer out and just really stuck with Chantal and prioritized Chantal and his new family with her, which includes her parents if they want to have kids, which she pointed out, then everything would probably be okay and they would probably live happily ever after because I don't think her mm. parents 
would be re- trying to dig into their marriage if it mm-hmm. wasn't for these like suspicious origins and the the relationship he still has with his his and family. Unfortunately, Pedro's the culture in the Dominican Republic is this family loyalty mm-hmm. that he won't ever be able to cut his even if he finds out that his mother and sister were these super manipulative people mm-hmm. and orchestrated this whole thing. It doesn't matter. He will still be loyal to them because they're his family, even though they really have no loyalty to him. No. I mean, they're just like horrible people. And they just are like, all we care about is getting the green card. We got the green card. Now we don't give a shit about the relationship. And they're actually upset. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. They're upset that he actually loves her because that's going to impact their ability to reap the benefits that they want to reap. Because she's not interfering in their cash flow. Exactly. And so, so I agree. I agree on the, on that whole thing that they are just not good people. And so this whole like dinner with Nicole thing, I mean, of course it's going to end poorly. I think, you know, Chantal has sort of an air about her, but at the same time, like she doesn't come after Nicole. Nicole starts, you know, she starts. She comes in on her. No, Chantal's thing is pure defense. It is oh, absolutely, hundred percent pure defense, and Nicole is pure offense, yeah. and that's why Chantel has a wall up because she knows what's coming. Yeah, so she won't apologize. She's done. She wants to go back to the hotel and go home, and they go back to the hotel, and he gets really mad at her, and he's gonna get his stuff, and he's gonna go back to his mom's. He's like pissed. That was not good. That was not good, and so he walks, he walks her, or. He asks her to be the bigger, per- the better person. This is where he kind of comes out and is like, can you be the better person? And she's just like, she's done. She's done. And I get it. I would be done too. Like, it's so draining and the whole thing is. So then we, he goes to the hotel in the morning to see if she's left. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the, and it's, it goes back to your point. They both just have really controlling families and they need to stop with the families and support each other because yeah. this is their new family. Their new family is each other. And so they really do need to start supporting each other to their families. He he especially seems to not understand that. And I think he actually doesn't agree. And it comes back to this cultural thing you pointed yeah. out that, that maybe, and I don't know, I'm not an expert, but maybe in the DR or in... Or in um, Latino families, in the culture, it's like, no, you don't actually create this new family of mm-hmm. basically new nuclear family. That that family never becomes more important than your family of origin. And instead, it's just supposed to be subsumed by your family of origin. I don't know. Again, I wouldn't know. Yeah, but it, but it, it seems does like that's seem what that he's way. Saying. And like she says, let's go work on our relationship. She was willing to move away from her family within the United States yeah. so that they could prioritize their marriage. And he wouldn't do it. Well, he realized that it wasn't actually... I mean, he was smart in that yeah. one moment that he realized that changing your geographic location isn't going to... Solve everything. Solve the root of the issue. But I think her, her you know, imploring But she him would prioritize him, in other to, words. Yeah, let's go and, and talk and let's try and her. figure this out. And he's like, no, you're not gonna, we're not going to figure this out until you settle things with my family. So that goes awry. And she decides, okay, now I'm like alone and I just got to bite the bullet and go meet with her friend Obed, who used to be a family friend of um, Nicole and her mother and Pedro. And apparently he tells her, look, I care about you. I see what's happening to you is what happened to me. And 
you know, he says that when he, back in the day, he met his, that, that Nicole and her mother orchestrated this whole thing so that he would meet an American, and he did, and he married him, the two of them got married, and then Nicole basically broke them up and ended it so he so I actually did not pick up on the whole the whole marriage thing I my understanding was simply that Obed was pissed off at Pedro's sister because she just broke up him and his boyfriend for some un, unclear reason I did not realize that this was like no it's a, it was a setup it was the same thing so it was a green found, card it was marriage? an American yeah it was an American I think that this is one of those things where I'm not getting all of the episode it's so annoying so she he is feeling the same thing <laughs> that Nicole's like just trying to break them up and so he's saying that there was a friend so basically Chantal was online learning Spanish and that that person she was learning Spanish from told her oh you should come to the to the Dominican Republic and bring some friends but none of her friends wanted to go so she went alone so he introduced her to Pedro and he the friend that the mutual friend that introduced her to Pedro is was basically working for the the mom and the sister, and they, he wanted her to bring friends so that he would have more options of of American choices, and he ended up falling in love with Chantal, and so Obed doesn't seem to think that Pedro was in on it at all. He thinks that it was totally organic that they it was not organic how they met, but it was organic that they fell in love. And so he's saying that this was all a big thing. And now they want to break them up because he's got his green card. He fulfilled the mission that they had him out on that he didn't know about. <laughs> and so now they want to break him up. And so they're upset that they actually fell in love for real. And um, Chantal's really upset about it. And, you know, she, you know, to his credit, Obed says, you know, I really don't think that Pedro was a part of this. I think he genuinely fell in love with you, which she should take to heart. You know, I mean, I think that that's one saving grace. This is the interesting thing about Obed to me, too, is that he's such sour grapes. And like, and you know, he clearly has a vendetta against Pedro's family. And it was a similar situation, all that stuff. And yet I actually find him totally believable. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's telling the truth. What does he have happens. to gain? Yeah, it's true. I mean, and maybe it's a screen time thing and all this, but I actually feel very, you He's know, credible. I feel like he's totally credible and, he, and he's telling the truth, which is... Well, and he's credible in light, especially, of the actions of the sister and the mom. It's true. Like they're, they're not helping they're themselves. themselves. They're not helping themselves. So, Chantal calls her mom and or dad and talks to them and... She doesn't, they start to like, you know, put things together and they come out very negative and she's like, you know, I don't want to talk about this. And to her credit, she's like, you know, I'm not here to like bash my husband with you guys. Like I'm really trying to make this work. And so, um, I don't know in that, in that space when she was talking to her parents, I was like, God, they're the worst too. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they don't, that's the problem with Chantel's parents is I think they come off very poorly but they're actually not bad people. I agree. And Pedro's, I agree. Pedro's family are bad people. No, I agree with that. And they come off poorly. So we, episode 10 is where it really gets juicy, unfortunately. We don't, we're not covering all of that because we only saw the first part. But, spoiler alert, um, Nicole's an asshole. <laughs> um, I really want to see part two. I hope they release that soon on the app because I, I feel like... I think that they... 
did they because did. I was trying to watch it last night and it wasn't okay, then it I'm wasn't wrong. there I'm wrong, then. so maybe today sometime they'll do it um yeah. anyway so that is all I have for Chantal and Pedro mm-hmm. up through episode nine and then I have Elizabeth and Andre and this is where I'm like fucking a Andre is like on my shit list because yeah. he is I love I have to say I have major love for Andre's father. Oh my god, and he's handsome. He's amazing. Steven is like an amazing person. Agreed. I love him. And Andre, he's a Moldovan treasure. He is. Hidden treasure. He's just a great person. But I digress. That's later on. So in the beginning, this is where Andre is talking to her dad and he's got like way too much pride to take this opportunity. And you know, the dad could probably use a better delivery. But to be honest, like the dad has been, this is the problem is the family and the dad went into Andre coming to the country and their marriage very negatively. Yeah. Like they never gave him the benefit of the doubt. They say they did, but they really never did. And so it's hard to now backtrack and come back to like, I'm trying to give you an opportunity. Cause I think the dad genuinely is giving him an opportunity and saying, Hey, you can come work for me. You're going to be treated like every other employee, but it's an opportunity for you to have a job. I think by the way, that even if the dad, and, and this isn't really clear, definitely at least one of the sisters, but it's unclear to me how, how deeply suspicious or unkind the, or unwelcoming the dad was at the beginning. Let's assume that he was pretty unwelcoming. I, I think that over time, as he's realized that Andre is becoming, is digging deeper and deeper into this sort of prideful, immature, to the point of being destructive, self-destructive, right. and destructive by, by, virtu- by extension of Libby and her welfare, and in terms of you know wanting to move out of the house and they have no rent and all these things, right. I think the dad has totally recalculated mm-hmm. his, his stand, and he really wants to help now. And he's not trying to, you know, fight. No, I agree. I, I think agree. he's completely changed the way that he he relates to Andre, and Andre is unwilling is, to see is it. Is not is not working with him, and it makes and and I agree with you. Andre is totally on my shit list too because I think he's so immature and so proud, and and as his father points out in episode ten, which we'll get to, so hot headed. He really is in the wrong here, mm-hmm. and he's like bullying Libby. And dragging her along with him. From a psychological perspective, I want to know what happened. Like, why? what got him so... Why is he such an angry person? Because it's not... Oh, who knows? I mean, that's probably just his personality. I mean, it's obviously... No, I know, but I'm just saying... Well, right, but I'm just saying... Maybe his mom's like that. That's why I'm like, the psychology of it, the family dynamic. I'm curious to see, like, what got him to this point, how he came so angry and yeah. what happened I don't know because we don't know anything about the mom and how Libby like missed it you know I yeah I know that I, too but you know what <laughs> it goes by that whole thing like it was vacation love right totally. and then they come here and then you're like oh now I'm releasing you for who you are um, and it doesn't even have to be vacation love I mean people do this all the time right they're dating and dating and then they move in together and it's like holy crap I had no idea you were such a psychotic person <laughs> but in this case she can't really just like pull the plug. No, I mean she's in deep now. She's pregnant, but so he says, you know, um, I, I, he has this weird um, feeling that the dad, this suspicious feeling that the that 
Libby's dad is going to hold it against him if he takes the job, which doesn't really make sense in the context of he's hiring you as an employee. He's not giving you anything. No, you have to work. He's giving you an opportunity. In exactly not... the area that you're claiming you want. As you right. pointed out, you said so you want to be a handyman. This if you're a handyman like job, a general handyman with general, you know, abilities in that arena, it is the perfect job of course. to work for and a property manager. And he probably would give you more money than you would earn outside but whatever so Libby goes to her sister's home to get um, help with her registry because she doesn't have any clue what to register for and what she might need for the baby um, and her sister's like they I mean I, I agree with I, I'm, I, I would totally be the sisters in this situation I know that I would totally be on my sister's case and be like what the fuck is wrong with you you have no money um, um, so I, I understand their you know, where they're coming from. And, but at the same time, I understand where Libby's coming from because, you know, she keeps venting to them and they keep, you know, giving her, telling her stuff. And then she goes back and like starts yelling at Andre and gets mad at him. And she's right. She needs to create boundaries and tell them, okay, I heard you. It's none of your business. You got to back off. And it's hard because I think they're all, I think they are very much too entwined with each other. The family is way too enmeshed. But they are telling her the truth. They are the telling her the truth and they're looking out for their dad. You know, their dad is being taken advantage of to a certain degree or in their perspective. Honestly, she's lucky that her siblings are not sort of mercenary. Because you and I know from being lawyers, it's like the most common thing in the world that, especially after a parent dies, but even before that, Siblings fight over family resources. Mm -hmm. They fight about the will, or they fight about the trust, or they fight about whatever, because they all want as much money as they can get out of their parents. I mean, that is a very, very, very common scenario. But it doesn't seem like her siblings are worried about themselves and what they're ultimately going to inherit or what they can get out of their dad while he's living or whatever. They are genuinely just feeling like their dad is being sort of victimized and Mm -hmm. taken advantage of. And I think that kind of... Probably recommends them to some extent. And she's the baby of like a lot of siblings. And so it seems like she probably has been infantilized most of her life. And it doesn't surprise any of them that she's still basically getting, you know, taken care of financially by the dad. This seems like, of course, Libby's getting, you know what I mean? And I'm sure they're to some extent enjoying. And I do find it funny how like into this the sister-in-law gets. But they all seem to be like deeply enjoying the fact that they are all sort of set up in life and Libby's not and she has this like oafish husband and <laughs> keeps having to be like run back to daddy and I mean at the end of the day I think they're they are all enjoying this a little bit too much and again I do think it's really funny that the sister-in-law is in on this like the I brothers I guess it's Libby and the other girls' brother's wife and it's as if she's just another one of them yeah just I know another blonde like popping up to judge Libby <laughs> and she, Libby gets really defensive and I think part of that is because she knows they're right yeah. she, they're, they, she knows they're 100% right but she's she's gotta defend her decision and her husband right so she's they're putting her in this really awkward position where she's gotta defend him and she, but she knows Because she's going to go home and be like, dude, we have no money. And that's where, like, you know, so they're in the car driving. And this is where he grabs her phone away. Because she's, like, venting to him about how her sisters are giving her a hard time. And so he's like, well, then stop texting with them. Ignore them. Like, stop it. End this. She doesn't listen to him. He takes the phone away. And then she gets really mad. Which, I mean, I get it. She should. He shouldn't grab her phone away and try and keep it from her. I really did not like that. 
I didn't like it either. Um, although I could see myself doing that to my husband. Anyway. <laughs> um, so anyway, they're, you know, he's, I see his point, but he should not have grabbed it. That was not okay. And then it's like, um, baby shower day. And because Libby has like poisoned Andre so much because she keeps telling him, Oh, Jen says this shit, this shit, this shit, this shit about you. And so now he knows that, that this one sister is talking so much shit about him to Libby and giving her such a hard time about him. Of course, now he's like, I don't want her to go to our baby shower. That's Which bullshit. is completely unreasonable. But this is exactly why you don't have a fucking couple's baby shower. I hate couple's baby showers. Okay, fair enough. I just went to one this last weekend. Oh my god, so I hate that. Fair enough. But also, the idea that he thinks he can make that kind of a demand is really really indicates how immature that's true i 100 percent agree with that it just doesn't matter i also think you're having gets left at the door of a fucking baby shower i agree but at the same time why the fuck are you having a couple's baby shower there is no men at that baby shower that want to be there nobody not even andre i don't know that cake looked bomb but he doesn't care i care yeah because you're a woman only women like cake? No, only women want to go watch somebody open up present baby presents. Oh no, I don't want to do that. I just want cake. Well, you could... I, um, I always bring a piece of cake home to my husband when I go to like those kind of things. Okay, alright. So you there know? is a best of both There's worlds. no reason... I wouldn't even want my husband there because he'd be complaining about like, when can we leave? Yeah, that's true. But I also just don't like going to baby showers in general. I don't think... I don't mind... I don't think women really like them either. I don't mind it. I don't mind a baby shower, but I do not... I try not to attend couples baby shows because I think they're stupid. Anyway, regardless. Personal vendettas aside. Yeah, that's my pet peeve. My pet peeve are couples baby showers. Take note, people. Um, okay, so then the argument between Becky and Andre is just dumb. Yep. You're stupid. You're wrong. It's dumb. Um, so they decide to go uh, meet Jen for breakfast. And this is kind of funny because... So Jen, so Libby tells Andre, we're going to meet Jen for breakfast and you're going to apologize and stop being such a dummy. Like, it's basically the same situation that Pedro's in, right? He's like, be the bigger person, say you're sorry, and this, I'm sick of it, and I'm fucking pregnant, and you're pissing me off. Yeah. So they get there, and of course, they just start fighting. And Jen comes in hot. Oh, I mean, the sister comes in like... She's not nice. She's not nice. She's not trying to make it work. She's not definitely not trying to be a bigger person. Like, she comes in hot. And so triggers Andre and so they just fight and you know he's not wrong he's like butt out mind your business which is fair but then it's like this is not the point and Je- and Libby's pit- irritated with the both of them yeah but she she puts it more on him which I actually didn't think was fair she put it more on him because she did some expectation for him yeah, it's it like she can't she can't control her sister, but she should in theory be able to negotiate with her husband about how he's going to behave. Right. So that ends poorly. <laughs> and now we hear that, you know, Andre's dad's coming from Moldova and he's going to be staying with them for 2 months. And he's so I guess in Moldova and I I meant to do the research on this and I didn't, so I suck. But I guess it's they speak Romanian in Moldova? Possibly. Cuz I know that well, Stephen speaks Romanian. I mean, it sounds all like a Russian-type language. Well, I've never heard Romanian spoken, but it makes sense because one of the guys that's working on our house right now, is he just went back to Romania, mm. to Romania, actual Romania, and it's so funny because I've always just assumed he was Russian. 
because I because yeah, it sounds the same. And when he looks, and he looks Russian because I stereotype everybody apparently. But it sounds like a Russian Spanish. Slavic. Like there's some Slavic. There's some words though that are very Spanish. Well, and there's some sort of English-based words too, or like Latinate. Right. It's it was it's a very interesting language, but I was, I was really surprised that they speak Romanian, and so um. So, but it's really funny because Elizabeth is concerned about his dad coming because. She thinks that Andre and his dad talk too much and that he's already tainted and told his dad too much, which is so ironic considering how much she fucking talks to her sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we find out that Stephen, the father, has not flown out of the country in years or ever. Like 30 years. Yeah, it's been like years since he's been on an airplane. So Andre's very concerned about his dad. He's very stressed out. And then he finds out that the dad is stuck in Turkey for like a number of horrible flight type reasons that happen. Like a flight's canceled and there's weather issues. So his dad's stuck. So Andre makes the decision that he's going to go to JFK and he's going to meet his dad there because he wants to travel to Tampa with his dad and he wants him to feel comfortable. Okay. I totally a hundred percent understand that argument. What I, I also understand that Libby comes and says, Dude, it's six hundred dollars for you, basically just to fly to JFK, and then fly home. Okay, so, um, anyway, they go to this diner, and he tries to prepare his dad for dinner at Libby's dad's house with the family, and he's like giving, kind of tainting, you know, his perspective, and you know, Libby calls him out on it as she should, um, but the dad's not really taking it. You know, no. I don't, the dad's just kind of listening. I think that it, cause the dad knows Andre. Totally. <laughs> so he's kind of like, all right. And then the dad says, you know, I just get along. You just have to get along, son. You know, that's going to be the best thing for you to do is get along. And, and communicate. So right. Yeah. So, okay. So that's them. Done with Libby and Andre. Um, now we go to Powell and Russ and they're at a birthing center. And this is triggering to me. So. You might have to take the lead on this one because I just am going to put it out there that I would never have a home birth or have my child in a birthing center. I think it's crazy. I think it's insane that they had problems in the past and that she suffered a miscarriage and now she's got this blood issue and she's still choosing not to have it in a hospital with a doctor. But that's my opinion. Well, it's what you would do. You're just saying what you would do. It's what I would do. And I just think that they're crazy. And I... Russ is, I give him so much credit for being such a loving and supporting husband because he agrees with me and yet he's allowing, he's supporting Powell in her decision because she's the one ultimately having the baby. Yeah. I mean, he ends up being more supportive than her own mother. I'm of, with her mom. Of, of the home birthing process. I'd I mean, be her mom. I, I, <laughs> I am deeply respectful of other women's choices in this arena. Mm. So I refuse to judge it. I would never do it though. It is not right for me. So in that sense, I agree with you. I find it way too risky. I don't understand what the benefits are. I think that having a baby is just a messy, pretty fucked up process no matter what. And you can try to slap, you know, a rainbow and a butterfly on it. But at the end of the day, it is just kind of this brutal, you know, process of, you know, getting one piece of meat out of another piece of meat. <laughs> and it's I, just it's just not this beautiful, magical thing. And it's also very, very dangerous. So 
for me, it's like, okay, let me get this in as control. You know, and I'm, I'm coming from the perspective of someone who's had C-sections. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, sure. so, like, I wanted it to be, I mean, I had to have it, but I, I want, at least the first one, but I wanted to have it be as controlled and sort of clean and safe as possible because that's just, I'm a very risk-averse person. But actually having gone through it, too, it makes you really realize how many variables there actually are, how many things can go horribly wrong in the span of an instant. And so because childbirth in general is just such a fraught process, as I've just described, you know, very unintelligently, I can't imagine adding more risk and more, more variables to that. And I had a very, I will tell you, I had two very relatively easy births. But there's no such thing is what I'm saying. No, no, no. I agree. But I'm saying in the grand scheme of things, nothing really went wrong. I delivered the two babies and I still would never in a in a million years have a home birth or go to a birthing center. And also I've known too many women who have this plan to have this natural drug-free birth and they have this whole birth plan like written out and they don't want they want their midwife and doula there or whatever and they end up doing it in a hospital, but things go totally awry and it's not what they expected. Their water breaks too early they don't have contractions they have to be induced like things that they could never have planned for and so they have they they don't have any they don't have the option of going this totally natural holistic approach yeah sure they wanted that and that's what they and they're really upset that they didn't get that but like you know i just i think it's irresponsible quite frankly and i will judge i'm sorry i will judge and that's your prerogative i will i i have no problem judging that i think it's ridiculous um, and crazy, and quite frankly, after I had the baby, I wanted to be in the hospital. It yeah, was a blessing to be one. able to say, "Hey, can you take the baby to the nursery for a little while while I try and get like an hour of sleep?" Or how do I get her to latch? And how do I do this? And can you get me something to help me? I mean, it just—I I just think the whole thing is nuts. I would never want to have a baby in my house. I think it's crazy. People who do, but whatever. I'm judging. Um. So anyway. <laughs> I don't judge you for judging. I know. And That's how deep this goes. Yes, I know. And I, I appreciate that. But It's uh, very hard not to judge. I will be a judgy bitch about it and say, you're crazy if you do a home birth. Anyway, um, one thing that the midwife, when they went to the birthing center, did say, and the, I'm sorry, but the midwife is like every stereotypical midwife that I could ever think of. <laughs> like she totally is like the epitome of the stereotype in my head of a midwife. Like some white woman with dreads. Yeah. <laughs> like, just kind of like, whatever. I don't know. Just, it. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would, yeah, I, I would have a hard time trusting of course. her in the sense that, um, I don't know. She just, yeah. she didn't, she didn't, she didn't, um, inspire much confidence in me. Now that, and I don't know anything about her. So. No, I know. I agree. Um, and so one thing though that she did suggest that I thought was actually very sweet was it's it's really interesting because I've known a lot of people who've had miscarriages and they don't broadcast it. They it's a private thing for them. Um and they kind of go through it and then they have and and in a lot of those cases they're able to have a healthy child afterwards. And it's not that much of a, a it doesn't have that much of an impact overall. But it's so interesting in like two shows um, Real Housewives of Potomac. Yeah, the rainbow party. <laughs> the rainbow party because she she had two healthy children, had a miscarriage, and then is now pregnant with her third child and 
it seems to be going very well. So mm-hmm. she has this rainbow party to celebrate the miscarriage that she had. And then Pow is having a really hard time in this episode dealing with the fact that she's going to have a healthy, that she's having a healthy pregnancy and potentially healthy baby. And she's feeling guilty that she can't really appreciate it because of the miscarriage that she had. So it's just interesting how much, I mean, I'm really happy that they're shedding light on this for the women who feel very alone and like that maybe their feelings are weird or odd or whatever about having a miscarriage. So I'm glad that they're giving them space to do that. Um, But she says that the midwife tells her to write this letter to the baby that she lost. So she decides to do that. And it's very sweet and they both cry and it's great. So they're building a nursery. Pow decides she wants a pool in the living room again. Which by the way, I'm realizing now, and this isn't really a spoiler because this already came out, but she didn't end up having the baby in the pool. No, she didn't. So that's interesting. She went into the pool. They don't really discuss... In the end, you know, when they show the actual birth, like, why she... I mean, you'd ever see her, like, making that game-time decision of, oh, I'm not going to go into the pool, but I'm just wondering... Well, she went into the pool. But she didn't have the baby in the pool, But she didn't have the baby in the pool. No, she didn't. I'm telling you, things never go the way you plan them to. Anyway, (coughs) I love Gladys, her mother. She's hysterical. She's very practical. (laughs) She's She's like, I had five kids or six Six kids kids, or something. And they were fine, and they were in a hospital. hospital. (laughs) Well, and the funny, th- the thing I love about Latin moms, it's great. Like, she sees her, she's like, wow, you're so fat. Look oh, at those boobs. Oh, I thought that was sad. But that's such a lot. I tell you, my grandmother, if she were alive today, that would have been, like, the first thing she said to me. Oh, my God, look at your boobs. You're so fat. Boobs like, are fine, but, like, the fat thing I thought was sad. I think it hurt Pal- Pal's feelings I, You know what? I actually probably think it didn't hurt her feelings because she knows that that's, it's very cultural. I mean, my grandmother used to go to everybody she knew in Portugal and be like, Oh my God, you've gotten so fat. Like it was like a normal point of, I would have been like devastated and probably still would be if somebody came up to me and was like, wow, you're so fat. I would have been like, but it's so, I don't know. It's funny. Anyway, it was, she just reminded me of like such a Latin. I guess heroin chic hasn't hit it big in Latin America yet. No, not at all. So, um, the mom is the mom hears about the home birth and she's just like she's totally fuck is wrong it. with you. Um, so they're testing. Gladys thinks Pow's nuts, which is awesome, and I love how Russ is like smiling in the background totally. because he's like, I she's hear you, saying Gladys. That he's not allowed to say exactly. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so it's very sweet, and Pow goes into labor, and okay, why is she wearing like shapewear and a bra? I didn't notice what she was wearing. Oh my god. Pow is wearing like shapewear and a bra as she's in active labor. I mean, her whole pregnancy like style was truly shocking in a, in a, in a wonderful way. I've never seen a, like a pregnant lady dress like I feel like dressed. I was pregnant and it gave me license to like wear flip flops and like yoga pants. Yeah, lo- and, leggings. Like, the, the loosest. Wear your leggings, bitch. <laughs> wear pajama pants. Yeah. Like what? What? You're in active labor. I think I wore my pajama pants to the hospital. I mean, I never labored, so I can't. I labored in the middle of the night for both of them. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning for one kid and 3 o'clock in the morning when we got to the hospital. I don't know what I would have worn if I was in labor. So I was like, I'm just wearing my... I wore literally wore pajama pants and like a t-shirt. And I was like, just get me to the hospital. Well, I will say the second time I had a baby, I had the wherewithal to like bring a nicer kind of nightgown. Right, for afterwards. Because I hated being stuck in with all the strings oh yeah on the road yeah on yeah, the no, hospital no. gown i was like no i'm bringing like a nice one i can nurse in and feel comfortable 
that doesn't look like shit because you have all these people visiting you. And my sister actually got me the one I wore after I had the, my first kid oh, because that's nice. she's like, "This is what is concerning to her." That's very thoughtful. What's the baby gonna wear home, and what are you gonna wear in the hospital? And I was like, "What?" But it was very comfortable, and I was like, "Sweet, thank you." <laughs> um, but yeah, pile on her spanks. Well, I guess spanks have a hole in them, so maybe that was her plan. Yeah, true. <laughs> So yeah, that's true. I don't know. It was just very strange, but it was like a it was like a shapewear dress. I I literally don't remember. And she was wearing a bra, and I'm like, oh my god. That well, the bra. I mean, come on, like modesty and no. I mean, I get it on for TV, the, on TV, you know. but like, oof. Anyway, Gladys is worried. She feels helpless, so she just goes in her room and waits until the baby comes. That was really <laughs> weird. I think you're getting into episode ten, by the way. Aren't you? No. Oh no. no. Okay, that was episode. So 10. she gets. She goes through eight hours of active labor. And the baby comes, and I'm going to say something wildly unpopular, as opposed to what I've already said. <laughs> but the dog is like sniffing at the baby's face, and I'm like, get the fucking oh, dog away the from dog. the newborn. I didn't notice the dog. The baby was just born. Get the fucking dog away. Dogs have disgusting mouths. Yeah, they really get the yeah. dog away from the baby. It I was just born, and I'm sure that like they're gonna let this dog lick all over the baby. But if you come over and try to hold the baby, they're gonna be like, um, you need to wash your hands and put antibacterial <laughs> soap on them. You need to let my dog lick your hands before God you take over. Damn it! Me. People are so fucking weird. Like they have a house full of pets that are like all over new babies, but then if somebody comes to try and hold their baby, they're like, oh, wash your hands. It's true. I'm like, it's give true. me a fucking break anyway baby axel seven pounds five ounces 22 inches long very cute and they are every new parent totally where she's like you're not holding the baby right she has no idea it's her first baby too but she, i tell you moms know more than dads well they all i think moms have a good instinct for what's not right mm-hmm. we don't necessarily know what the good thing is to do and we'll throw the spaghetti against the wall like anyone else but I think moms have, like, natural instincts about, like, what is dangerous and not a good idea. And anything that the dad does fits into that category. It's definitely true <laughs> it for was, me. As I, mean, I was I, watching them, I'm like, oh my gosh. That was me. That was totally that is me. me. I mean, 100%. Yeah, yeah it was I, funny. I'm not going to front. I thought that was hilarious. He's like, I'm not going to hurt my baby. And I'm like, oh my god, this is totally every new parent. Anyway. All right. So now, if we have nothing left on Pow and uh, Russ... We get to the good final couple, Jay and Ashley. And I've hated them all season so far, but this the is where end, it starts the end to get made good. it worth it, I think, for so them. This is where it's getting good. Yeah. So Especially, and you pointed this out with a previous couple where we didn't understand what had really happened right. in real time. And so it's really nice with these two, especially, to see that there was a very real story here. Right. So the first two, seven, episodes <laughs> seven and eight. I mean, literally the first thing I wrote was get them off the show already. Yeah. Because it was so bored. So Poochie, his sister, she had the baby. Because if you remember when Jay left, she was pregnant. So she has the baby. and I uh, love Poochie. Poochie's I love president. Poochie too. So Poochie and his other brother is my, I think Israel, I think is his name. I can't remember. Yeah, who doesn't speak. Yeah, and then the niece are all coming to visit. And... Actually, Poochie and Ashley have a very good relationship. This is one of those odd situations where, like, Sisters the families actually yeah. get along, but the, a couple doesn't. <laughs> and so um, everyone's happy, and it's great having the family there, and it's going to be the first Christmas in America with the family, and they're looking at Christmas trees. And I am so Ashley. Like, 
every Christmas I pull out my fake tree at the garage and put it up. I call mine a Kirkland fir because I got it a from Kir- Costco. I li- so did we. Yeah. I li- we have Kirkland firs. Kirkland firs with the, with the lights they already in there. They look beautiful. They're gorgeous. I mean, they look amazing. My kids love it because you can just press a button yeah. and the lights are all white. Same. And then you press another button and the lights are colored. Or what you could do is press a button and then they alternate. <laughs> Yeah, Costco, just so you know, if you want to sponsor us, we are both, like, diehard Costco people. Oh, my God. People. Kirkland for the win. And you know that in Sacramento, there's a Kirkland store? What? Yeah. There's a store called Kirkland that just sells Kirkland products. Oh, I have to go. Yeah. We should I do a field trip. My mom was telling me about it. I'm like, what? That's amazing. Anyway, I am Ashley. I put up my Kirkland fur. and But because it was Jay's first Christmas, they thought they should go and cut down a tree and bring it home. I have no desire to do that. My children will yeah. never experience that, and I'm totally okay with that. My sister does that. Like, My please. sister does it, too. She's like, we're going to go up to Ta- or to Placerville or wherever the hell they go to go Send cut down a tree. Send me a picture. I know. <laughs> Great. Enjoy. Have fun. I hope it's cold. Anyway, um, so, you know, Jay's, Poochie is hearing about everything, and she's just sad for them, and she... You know, she tells Jay that he fucked up and that I hope that he hopes she works it out. And, you know, Poochie's sad because they're not getting along and they're fighting a lot. Okay. Poochie's wise. Jay grow up. Ashley let it go. See, now, I was all behind that. And then episode nine happened. And Ashley decides, you know what? I'm never going to get any information from Jay. I don't know what's going on. I'm still super suspicious. So I'm going to go to the barbershop and talk to the No, boys. no, no. She gets summoned to the barbershop. Oh, I thought she no, went on her own. No. One of them either called or texted her and said, you need to come to the barbershop. We have to tell you something about Jay and we have to tell you in person. Oh, I see. I For sure. That. I remember. Because she, she's she's like in the car on the way and she's like, what could they possibly need to tell me that they couldn't tell me over the phone? Oh, okay. Like, this is going to be really bad. Okay. So she goes there and she's like, is there anything that I should know about Jay? Because his social media, because she, she looked on his social media and saw that a woman was... Very familiar with him. And very familiar, and he thought, yeah. this is not just a friend on social media. Um, so it's a little bit awkward first, and then the owner of the shop says that he let Jay do tattoos in his shop because he wanted to do some tattooing, and some people were interested. But that Jay disrespected his shop one day because he went into the bathroom and had sex with one of... Jay's, Jay had sex with one of his own clients. And they don't say this on camera, but Ashley later explains it to a friend that the problem, the reason he says that Jay disrespected the shop by doing that is not so much just because he had sex with a client or whatever in the store, but because the woman was like very, very loud. Yeah, they the had sex and there were people and in there. Were, there. And little kids, supposedly, yeah. like in the barber shop, so that it really was just a very, very bad scene, which is actually... Really bad. Really grotesque. Yeah, and the, and you see he video rec- or he recorded or had a video of him confronting Jay very aggressively. That was a pretty gnarly video, actually. Yeah, and he was really mad about it, which he should be. It's his. It just play. He owns it. You know, it's yeah. a reflection on him if people were having loud sex in the bathroom. That's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, he finds out. Um, I thought it was interesting how the guy who tells her is clearly telling her with full understanding that he's breaking bro code, which he clearly normally would be bound by, but that in this case there was some kind of disrespecting of the establishment exception. Right. I thought that was very, and just procedurally, Yeah. I thought that was very interesting, and that the other guy, didn't say anything. who may or may not be a co-owner, and that would probably play into it, 
clearly believed that Brocold should have won out in that situation. Yeah, he and didn't have the intention. He felt bad. You can tell he's torn. Like he's he feels torn. really badly for her. But I think at the end of the day, his bro code mentality was stronger, and he thought that it was more important to not rat out Jay than for Ashley to get the information. Which but, I, I thought it was just in really fascinating watching the conflict on his face. Yeah, he was super conflicted. He, he was, was super very conflicted. conflicted. Um, and it's clear that Jay's not like a hardcore bro. <laughs> no, I think that, and also he had disrespected the barbershop. Yeah, he had. So there's that whole thing. And like the, clearly, Jay wasn't living up to his end of the bargain of being bros with them, like and being we friends fi- with them. We also find out later that this woman is someone who Ashley has met Ashley, yeah. and had a cookout, a barbecue at her house that everybody went to, including Ashley and Jay, as a married couple. And whatever, I don't blame the other woman. I never, I, never I don't blame, blame the, the other, other woman either. I know Ashley's just pissed, but I don't blame the other woman. But um, anyway, Ashley confronts Jay, and he doesn't deny it. Well, at first, he's like, he doesn't say anything. She just tells him to go fuck himself. And then she keeps calling him and calling him and calling him and calling him, and he keeps hanging up. And then finally, he answers, and she's like, what the fuck? Why aren't you answering my calls? Because she's angry, and she's pissed. Yeah, because she's just ranting. But she wants to be able to rant and yell at him and, you know... She's like, I don't want to hear She wants to be the one to hang up on him. Right. She's just going to keep calling until she gets to be the one. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And he tells her that everything she heard is true. Which is to his credit, except for the fact that he knew he was completely boxed into a corner. Right. So she calls her friend Destiny and she's like, I need, I need a friend. So Destiny comes over as. I want to know what happened to the other friend that she basically broke up with. Natalie. Natalie. Like, where is she in this equation? We have not seen her all season. It seems like that relationship really is over. It really did, was separate, even though... Which is too bad, because I don't personally think Natalie really did anything wrong. I don't either. And quite frankly, in light of things that happened, she's not wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so he gets, he admits it, she tells him to come get his clothes, and that if he comes in the house, she's going to call the police. So she's angrily packing his stuff in trash bags, and Destiny comes... And she is an awesome friend because she comes with a bottle of red, a bottle of white, and two glasses. <laughs> I have to say, with the whole calling the cops thing, it doesn't reflect well at all on Ashley, given the the storyline that they had in their first season of this idea that he's moving into this like very white, you know, East no. Coast suburb, and they 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 both voiced an actual concern that right. if cops saw Jay or if somebody called the cops on Jay wrongly just because he's black that it could have there could be a real problem and now here she is threatening to call the cops on him when he's still in that exact same position of vulnerability vis-a-vis law enforcement and And she knows he's not violent it also doesn't reflect well on the cops to be honest with you because she doesn't say i don't know i think they they're treating it as a just a dv situation okay first of all if you've ever been involved with cops at all or have any sort of like experience where you're like yeah my husband and i had a fight and he's not in the house anymore and no he didn't hit me but he's like outside in front on the front lawn you don't think the cops would come i don't think the cops would come in Five seconds. Well, this I think is, the these fact, are the Mechanicsburg cops. They no, have nothing to do. But I think that... I don't even think the cops in Alameda would be that fast, and they don't have anything to do. I bet I think Piedmont that, cops would be that fast. Yeah, but you know what I think was the clincher? Hmm. He's not. He's here illegally. Illegally, yeah. Which he is, and that, that part is But he's so not much. here illegally. He's no, here, he is. no, I think he's he is. He's married. No, I think he's here illegally, because I think that 
she because she hasn't he's delinquent on the adjustment of status he's no longer but that's not his fault here i well but it doesn't matter i don't think he's illegally here i think he came mm. he came to this country legally this is another area where you and i don't have enough information right but i don't think how can you call him an illegal visa lapsed I know that, but like he's still married. He's still not in a. St- I I don't think that you just automatically get deported if they find out that no, you, you haven't applied for their. You don't get deported, but maybe your status is no longer valid. You know what I mean? But like not, you're not legally here, but they're not going to deport you unless they, like, would do unless something like what she did happens, where she's bringing it directly to their attention and you know. yeah i guess so i just think it's really fucked up that's my whole point that yeah, was my no, whole no point. i know i know you're right and you're right that is absolutely right i think I, she, the whole thing does not reflect well on her at she all. didn't need to call the cops no production no. was out there and they would have gotten him to a hotel or wherever he needed to go it was stupid and clearly when the cops came they realized there is no violent situation no because DV is a violent crime, as but they, lawyer Adam told us. They were taking it sort of seriously in the DV sense of like trying to keep them apart. No, I know. know. They were taking it seriously, but I think they were taking it even more seriously because it's a black guy and a white girl. And that's my whole point. Yeah. That's why she should And that's called. fucked up. It was totally fucked up. But I think they realized after talking to him, like, okay. And he started crying. Well, because they realized he's not going to, he's not aggressive. Oh, she has fired. never been an aggressive no. person. In fact, if anything, she hit him. She did hit him. She I, hit him I, first. I was shocked that she did that. That they showed it. That she they didn't was the have aggressor. Like, she should have been arrested. Have like a like the TLC didn't have a disclaimer, you know, at the end of yeah. the episode or whatever, because that was completely. She that hit was an him. Assault. She would. She in in, in fairness. She should have been arrested. A hundred percent. Yeah. I and agree. he didn't. And it's to his credit that he didn't say she pushed me. Yeah, because at the time that the cops were there, they did not have knowledge of that thing that had happened, that right. physical altercation. But I he could have very easily been like, she pushed me. But he's not trying to like get Ashley in trouble. He's just trying no. to like not get Arrested. put in jail. And he didn't. They asked him, do you have enough stuff? And he went to go get his yeah, stuff. let's just get you out of here. Let's just get you out of here. They're not going to arrest him. He's not doing anything wrong. Which is why I also don't think he's like... They're, they see that they're married. So I think the marriage buys him some like leeway. I agree. As far as being like not here legally. As or far whatever. as the legal status, yeah. Because they were asking for the certificate right. and everything. Yeah. So anyway, that's where episode nine ends. We'll come back <coughs> hopefully early next week and talk to you guys about episode 10 and maybe 11. I don't know. But episode 10 for sure. And is our next, um, is our co host awake? Yeah, and we were going to cover the other um, the way, other way today, but you but know what? We will cover it next week because I'm super excited about it. Yeah, I you're started, not really caught up on it. I'm not caught up on it. I started to watch season one, and I'm super into like some of these couples, and especially because now the other way applies to Paul and Karini. I'm so sick of Paul and Karini, though. I know, but it's so interesting. I'm really not okay with Paul and Karini. He's become more like Southern now. I feel like he's playing this whole, like, I'm a farmer instead of, like, his old persona. <laughs> yeah, which was, like, computer, like, World of Warcraft guy. Right, it's super weird. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week. And, um, as always, we love your feedback, so let us hear from you. Yeah, let us know. And and consider visiting the Kirkland store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right and tell us how it is. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. Legal disclaimer. This is a personal podcast just for fun solely meant for entertainment purposes. 
We are lawyers, but we're not giving any legal advice on the podcast. We're not creating any kind of attorney-client relationship in the podcast. And also keep in mind that anything we say, anything at all, it's just our personal opinions. We have no intention of maligning any individual, group, company, religious or ethnic group, nationality, or anything or anyone else. Lisa and Katie have no affiliation with TLC. These are not the opinions of TLC. And finally, anything that we say is not meant to represent anyone other than Lisa Freitas and Katie Saad individually. Finally, please give a, leave us a comment on our Facebook page and give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast service you're using to help us continue to record. Thank you.